Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Divergence second session of the day. Um, be kindly reminded to have your cameras on at all times and full face visible. We like to see faces and feel your energy. We have uh, uploaded and shared the affidavit that was presented in our in Divergence first session in uh, Divergent Telegram groups, as well as on Facebook page for whoever would like to have a copy can reach out there. And uh, if Darren has any other documents to share tonight, they will be shared in the same channels. And without further ado, I'll pass that to Darren. Thank you. Greetings, everybody. So yes, uh, continuing from this morning, uh, we're going to be shifting gears now. We're going to be talking about the petition itself. Okay, so the petition is like an application. Where, what's its origins? What, what did this thing come from? Well, this is actually an original bill in Chancery from back in the day, where a man or woman bringing his or her equitable rights would do so before the Chancellor, who was acting, uh, you know, for the King when the King or Queen wasn't around. So, this particular petition. It's slightly different than an application, and here's why. When we fill out or when we create an application, we're literally taking something like legislation, and as the applicant, we are applying it to a situation. Application of. A petition is slightly different because we're just literally not relying on something like legislation. This is where more of the ecclesiastical side of things can kind of come in. You know, the whole angle where the common law does not regard this side at all. It can't, and for good reason, actually. But point being, this petition is basically going to allow the door to open for us to bring equitable prayers for relief. The common law doesn't allow for that at all. But So this form is pretty standard. It's pretty easy to fill out. All it really wants to do is see in the commencement, it wants to see who the parties to this action are. You know, you, depending on how you slash we style our names and for what purpose, that actually is important. And then a defendant. But in that defendant position, we have a multitude of options. If you wanted to bring a cause against the public guardian and trustee, you would literally put that down. If you want to bring a claim against the attorney general at the state level, you'll define it as such. If you want to bring a claim against the party, you don't really know, Your Honor, who the defendant is, but all I know is I got to get this action rolling because this is killing me over here. Okay, this is where we can literally throw Jane and John Doe into that category right there of 123 Street anywhere. Believe it or not, that flies. That's a descriptive capacity of an entity. They deal, the system deals with Jane and John Doe's a lot especially when identity is concerned they don't they can't determine the ident they can't determine the public identity of a body so they literally just call it Jane or John Doe well interestingly enough that's half of what we're trying to do we're trying to separate ourselves from a public identity well here's a body we can actually show where we have an interest in something showing the interest of loved ones this is becoming the hardest part of our process what do we put in the petition what is our statement of claim what is the relief we're seeking and what's the legal basis that we're basing this whole thing on 
that one, two, three is a little tougher to negotiate than most people would think. Now, at this point of the game, we don't need to bring in a lot of scripture. The concurrent side understands and already kind of takes that for granted because of what you're already doing. So we can literally rely on doctrines of equity, specifically, without mentioning scripture. So technically, we're still touching on scripture and all of its principles and foundational rules and this, that, and the other. But by merely quoting the maxims and the equitable principles here instead of scripture directly, instead of 1 Corinthians 1-7, right? Like we don't technically have to drop that in at this stage of the game. Once we're on the other side of the fence and we're doing purely equitable stuff, now you can bring out scripture all day long if you want. But to get out of legal land, Caesar does not care if we talk about scripture. And again, my brother proved this one firsthand. When he rolled into court one day and Dean started spouting scripture and he started talking, not a whole lot of maxims, but scripture primarily. And the judge literally interrupts Dean that day and says, uh, Mr. Clifford, we're not here to do the Lord's work today. We're here to do Caesar's. So clearly you standing there talking about scripture does not defeat the presumption that you still belong to Caesar. And that you're actually not entitled to even use scripture yet. Because we're in that no man's land at the moment, right? We're kind of caught between common law, at law, and we're heading to equity. So we're literally in the middle. The middle zone, that concurrent zone, doesn't really want to hear a lot of scripture right here. They would rather hear, what was that word we were just using? Specific language, was that the one? Yeah specific language okay so this is where i'm going to break your hearts a little bit and break your minds at the same time i'm going to share here in a moment ultimately what that specific language is that the judges are looking for this is this is the magical stuff now i think in total uh i, I think i got pulled from three different sources so i cut and pasted once twice three times in the same document and i think we're about to look at a total of 15 or 20 ish pages do not worry about having to absorb all this right now. <laughs> what you're about to see gets very confusing very quick. This is all that fee simple absolute stuff. This is all that defeasible title. This is all... SETI uh, KV is mixed into here. Titles moving around. There's a whole bunch of stuff happening. This is why... We need to do some of this stuff to create this life estate. Now, this life estate can only exist in equity. This is not a common law remedy. Although the common law knows what it is, it tries to ignore it. It doesn't want to give it any credence. It just kind of, yeah, I know you're there. So if you happen to spring out from the darkness, common law still has to regard this proceeding or this process. As a matter of fact, springing interests and shifting interests are two modes of which equitable relief can be injected into this at-law process. So what I'm trying to break down and boil down for us here is these words and some of these phraseologies that I'm about to show you here real quick. I'm just, I've got a bunch of highlighted stuff too. And I'm going to blow through this stuff. But this is in addition to tonight, again, we're talking about um, petitions and what to put in it. So uh, Lone Wolf, I think he has shared some uh, some documents of his with us. Um, I've put some quick eyeballs onto those two uh, in conjunction with Bryce's. So we're, we're dealing with a very similar 
or similarly styled set of documents. They're, they're fine. They're, they're great for substance, but here's what both of these packages are still lacking. And this is what I'm about to show you. Now, if you were, if any of you were here for this morning's affidavit run through that one particular paragraph at the beginning of the affidavit, where to a for a life estate in possession to B for da 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 something interest over here uh, for C's use upon D's death, like all this kind of, it starts to go woo, down all these rabbit holes real quick. So I'm going to try sharing my screen here again. Let's see if I can pull this off. Uh, which one do I want? I want, you know what? I'm going to go with this one here first. Okay. Now, this is just me. How uh, can I make this one a little bigger, right? I can do this. Something, something. Oh, well, that works. Get the big one. Okay. Okay, so this is drop-in information, like plug and play. This is some of the criteria that we need to start looking at for our petition here. This first, we're just going to make this a little bigger. Here, I can just zoom yeah. up. No, 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 just go 100% to 125. Oh, that's oh, just that big one. Okay. Uh, try this. Okay. Now, again, mergers are, I'm going to say, the foundational concept of what we're trying to do here. When we're trying to grab a title over here, prove that we have it, and then we're also going to claim that we also have this title over here. These two things mix. They come together. They create a whole title. That's merging of titles. Merger is the name of the game here. This is the type of stuff that the judges are looking for. So, okay, so we're, I'm just going to, I'll just let you see here. So I've just got a number of, of this is what we're looking to see. And then I get right into some meat right there. Okay, so we're just going to talk about these highlighted sections real quick. Okay, so if a possessory or you got it, you have it, you're in possession of it, or a vested life estate, that's one component. The vested life estate. We're going to talk about vesting a lot when you've heard me mention here in the last few days. When you invest your certificate with a coin on it as a special deposit under special circumstances for special purposes, this is a form of vesting. We're literally wearing the vest or the cloak or the house coat of a legal fiction. We're vested with that already. That was due to our mistake. So now we're divesting ourselves of that, sending it off to, an, to a new trustee, and we are revesting ourselves with something better by investing that particular certificate back, put it back into the hands of the party that was supposed to have it this whole time. So and now it goes into the second, there's a second vested estate here right away. This is, this is the freehold estate that they're talking about. We have to have this freehold estate. First, we have to basically come forward and declare that freehold estate to be an estate in fee simple. So there's one, two already happening here. So subsequently, when these two estates, what they're talking about here in the background, loved ones, is the legal title and the equitable title. These are the two estates. When these two estates subsequently come into the hands of the same person, okay, well, as we know, change person to the word individual, 
And these two estates are not separated by another vested estate. So that would be three estates we're talking about. As long as the one in the middle doesn't get in the way, that first estate can merge with the second estate. Now, we're going to prove here why there's no third estate lingering in the middle here. Because what's going to happen once these things, these two estates wind up being in the same individual's hands, again, then number three, the estates merge. Number four, any contingent remainder between them is destroyed. That is a dynamite little statement of interest or a, hey, check that one in the mental capacity capacitor. We're always talking, okay, how do we, how do we destroy or how do we, how do we collapse that implied trust? That very first trust that happens when we're born, mom and dad drop the ball, this little trust results over here. This little trust looks after the entire commercial system until we come forward, what we're doing right now, and basically getting our control back. How do we defeat that implied trust? How do we get rid of that little trust? Well, that little trust melts away when the two titles show up. That contingent remainder, and I'm going to talk about contingent remainders here coming up, so don't, don't, don't be thinking, oh my God, what the hell is a contingent remainder? Don't worry, that's what this episode's about. So this is going on to say that that little implied trust goes poof, it's destroyed. I love that. We're actually going to use this particular sentence in our petition for the purposes of and da 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 da, where any contingent remainder that was out there, Your Honor, has now been destroyed because of this event that we can now prove. What is a vested interest? A vested interest is the holder is ascertained or ascertained. <laughs> what does that mean? That means you're certain. You're ascertained when you do something, when you come forward and you actually attach an interest to that certificate, when you do actually attach the coin to it. All these expressions, all these interests, that's you becoming certain. Certain of what you're doing, certain why you're doing it, and certain, you know, again, this is the real deal. This isn't the make-believe fiction person stuff. So, also, that the interest is not subject to a condition precedent or condition otherwise, other than the termination of the prior estate. What do you mean the termination of the prior estate? Uh, a prior estate? That's that first estate getting destroyed. That's that first estate going poof. That's that freehold state moving. It's no longer a freehold estate. It's now become a fee simple absolute. Okay, so after we've developed some of these substantial factual things on such and such a date, Your Honor, I came into the possession of a particular certificate, cer certificated security in registered form, chattels real, personal property, a financial asset. Now that it's perfected. Again, we can actually describe this thing in a number of ways. Okay, so this, okay, this is actually going to switch this number four down here. This is actually what the judges are looking for. Okay, so after subsequent factual developments, that's what that's saying is, okay, after we filled out our petition and in our statement of claim department, that little gray box, we've dropped or we've deposited our subsequent factual developments. 
<laughs> I love that description. Okay, so what's the judge looking for? The judge wants to apply merger to any vested interests that come into the hands of the same person and are not separated by another vested estate. As long as we haven't done or someone has done for us, created a whole other third estate, we're good to go. And this is why we show up as the protected purchaser without notice. Without notice of what? Without notice of a third estate lingering around out there. And your honor, if there is one to my unawares, it's not going to affect anything I'm doing here because I didn't know about it. So deal with it. And again, <laughs> that's why the PPBFP, protected purchaser, bona fide, with valuable consideration without notice, however we acronym that. Again, that's you suggesting you've purchased your rights and you're unaware of any other estates floating around out there and how they are not going to influence anything that happens right now. So therefore, your honor, apply the doctrine. I love this one. Apply the doctrine of destruction of contingent remainders to any remainder still out there floating around at the close of the prior estate because it has just moved on. It has been delivered to an entirely new party, more than capable of dealing with this stuff. How do you even know that they're capable of dealing with this stuff, Darren? Well, for in Canada, for example, in the Constitution, in the Bill of Rights, or whatever the hell it is we got here in Canada, it says right in there that Canada guarantees the security of the person. If you understand what guarantees the security of the person means it's got nothing to do with you it has a lot to do with that certificate though and that country is guaranteeing something security this is why we want to get certain security interests off of us remove them and now fix them petition them stick them to another party Okay, so this is where we're going to get into some crazy meat here. Okay, so again, this first area up here, I'm just laying down some of the, hey, what are, what are the things we got to be conscious of as we're developing this petition? And again, everything in the petition is backed by the affidavit. So it's all going to roll back down into the affidavit anyway, which is why we're going to have to talk about this in tomorrow's class respecting the affidavit and the next day to get that affidavit all polished up. But again, we're talking about some property law here. And again, when you're talking property law, we're talking equity. We're talking private side, if we so choose to get there or, or choose to exercise it. So, possessory estates, the durational nature, a fee simple, is unlimited in duration. This guy to this guy and his heirs. What is a fee tail? That is until the line runs out. This guy to this guy and the heirs of his body. So, okay, they're, they're separating mind from body or spirit from body. There's two things we got to be expressing an interest in here, apparently. What's a life estate? A life estate is, is literally measuring the life of the one who's alive. They use this to quantify your chunk of the consolidated revenue fund. Gibson's book has tables in it. They're called mortality tables. Or if you're at such and such an age, they've already kind of predetermined that, you know, you might only have five years left and you're probably only going to be capable of, do, capable of changing the world this much. So they're only going to give you this much. Don't get me wrong. It's still going to be mind-blowing. But that amount decreases as we get older. Believe it or not, that thing is in its ripeness or in its prime maturity when we hit the age of majority. 
boom, or the age of a better understanding and, and having possession of wisdom. Again, can a 16-year-old do all this stuff? I think so, absolutely. That's when your estate is worth its maximum value. It just slowly declines after that until we're no longer here. Makes sense? Okay, so a term of years is an until, until the term of years expires. So you can set a time frame on this thing if you really want to. Um, limit, uh, extra limitations, uh, things that are determinable. This is where we're going to create limits. During, so long, as while, and is before. We're actually putting time connotations or time frames. Or we're talking about until that is done or during the process in which he's doing that, he would be entitled to such and such. These are some of these magical words that they're looking for. If we try to convey all these interests and we try to get all this stuff done that I'm talking about here without touching on some of these magic words, we don't very we, we don't get very far very quick. This is where the, ju the judges and the system start calling our stuff illegible, uh, incomprehensible, uh, unintelligible. Da, 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 da. Why? Because we're actually not using the correct language. Yeah, the spirit of what we're saying is good, but we just need a little bit more of their language so that they can completely understand what the hell it is we're trying to do. This is where I've actually experienced this firsthand, rolling into a public system using purely equitable stuff, only maxims, only trust stuff, da, 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 da. And the court is there, as Bryce just found out. We can't hear any of your trust expressions. We don't care if you're the beneficiary. You can chirp all day long because you haven't changed the record yet. <laughs> They're not going to hear any of your purely equitable stuff yet. Wrong venue. Don't be bringing purely equitable stuff into the public system. If you get to Chambers, ah, okay, different, right? Different jurisdiction. Chambers is private. Believe it or not, before I think it was... Uh, was it the First World War or Second World War? Eh, one of the two. It doesn't really matter. Judges' chambers, the, the, the court, everything used to be in judges' chambers. There was no public court as we know it today. Everything was held, handled privately. And then the wars come along. They introduce all this crazy legislation. Now get us to act in persons and enemies of the state of his gloriness. And when you're acting in that capacity, you now are one of these public hooligans running around, acting like an idiot, like we've all done without knowing what we're doing, which is why, you know, don't feel too bad about yourself here for a moment. But again, perfect excuse. Your Honor, sorry I did that. You know what? I was possessed. I was, act I was acting in person. I thought, I, I, I thought that would actually develop an incredible defense if we used it in equity properly. So, okay, so we're talking grantees. Well, hang on, let's just back up. Reversion. Reversion waits patiently. This is what I'm suggesting. When the birth certificate got abandoned or was abandoned by mom and dad and us, it's sitting, waiting patiently. It's in reversion right now. It's on standby. It's wait. It had to transform into reversionary measures waiting for you. For what? Well, the possibility of reverter. This thing waits patient, patiently, but follows a, a determinable estate. What is a determinable estate? Okay, what's determinable? That's you coming forward and making a determination, if you're able, determinable estate, creating this life estate. That is a determinable event. That is a future event that may have an impact on the remainder.
So we're already in La La Land because we're all sitting on standby because of this reversion that's happened. We come along now. We change the reversion. The reversion now changes into something called remainder. When we show up and we start doing things, executing orders, perfecting interests, attaching consideration to collateral, expressing trust, appointing trustees, things of this nature. So a vested remainder is an ascertained or someone who's certain, a certain taker with no conditions prior. Aha. We get this birth certificate. It's vested in us. We have it for a particular purpose. Although we blow, you know, we, we pooped the bed on when we were 16. We didn't quite do it right. Although we were still in possession of this vested something. As long as it's in your mind, technically you have it. If you're thinking about it, you can develop paperwork for it. That's why it needs to be in our mind and in our hearts to be doing all these right things. So, as soon as someone is, assert, is certain of what the hell it is that they're trying to do without any other conditions, and as long as we don't attach any other conditions, no other conditions came with this thing. It was option A or option B. We chose B. Oops. Now we're, now we're shooting for A. So this goes on to say an executory interest, or this is where, like, literally, if you have a corporation in your pocket and you're the trustee of it, you can literally, again, I'm not going to promote this a whole lot because I still have conflict with this, but you can literally be in an executory type position for just a moment. That's almost saying like, you know, that's something like a grantor could be dealing with just at the moment. The grantor showed up to execute under an executory device where, or he expressed an executory interest. These words start to become very important as we move through here. Here we go again. A shifting interest Follows the estate in the grantee. <laughs> so again, this is where we had to show up as grantee first. Oops, something just shifted in your favor. Imagine getting into a Lamborghini, having the key. This thing's running. And <laughs> you're so excited to drive this thing, but you don't know how to put it in gear. Uh, not my idea of a fun time. I mean, yeah, beautiful car. Point being, once that interest divests or switches or shifts from the grantee to the grantor, it's springing, shifting and springing. Remember, I, I mentioned that at the beginning of this show. These two little guys are very, very, very important. You start using these, again, this is the precision language I'm talking about. This is the stuff you start talking about. Well, Your Honor, you know, we got a case of a shifting interest over here that's under the, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the care and control of a grantee. Then that guy came forward, Your Honor, as the grantor. He may even be standing in the courtroom today. Now, that springing interest is now going to be divestible and investable into a new trustee. And that's why I'm motioning, Your Honor, right now for an appointment of new trustees under a vesting order. We can only vest this title through the court. There's no other way. I've, re I've, re I've read it a few times now. I'll, uh, next time I come across it, I'll dig it up and I'll copy and paste it and I'll bring it in here. The point being, Dean used to want to divest himself of this legal interest years ago. And he would just put it in his paperwork and then rely on it. It's not enough. You need the court to agree on it, add any other stipulations and circumstances or conditions. And then when that court orders it to be so, or decrees it, now Dean's off to the races. But without the court getting involved, 
to approve this vesting order, we don't get very far. Uh, okay, so just a couple of definitions here. We got a possessory estate. This is the grantor's future interest. What could the grantor's future interest be? Well, that would be you coming as the beneficiary a little bit later down. A little bit, you know, three days from now, three minutes from now, once the judge gets to the end of your paperwork. So this possessory estate that was in the grantor shifts, springs, gets delivered, goes way over there. This is why you now are no longer in possession of a certain legal interest because you just granted it away because you just showed up as the grantor expressing your interest in your future interest right now. Boom. Interesting. A fee tail, a life estate or term of years. Again, we want to concentrate on the life estate here. This is all being done in reversion. Remember we're in the reversion category right now. So when we come forward and express a life estate, that was the determinable event. That means that that freehold estate, that very first estate, that prior estate, that little estate is now the fee simple determinable. And now that you're about to determine it, because again, remember, aha, here comes the remainder. That reversion is experiencing the possibility of reverter right now. When that freehold becomes a fee simple determinable because an event took place, aha, that's the possibility of reverter happening. Scott's paperwork is lacking. Bryce's paperwork is lacking. This kind of stuff. And again, we're going to spin this into the new affidavit. Now, don't get me wrong. All that other effort is fine. It's The substance is great. It's just needing this little bit to push it over the edge because this is the shit that the judges are looking for. So again, here's that remainder word again. So we got this party to that party for life. And then to this party as a future interest, when the grantor conveys an inherently limited possessory estate. Again, see, this is already getting way too complicated and way too, oh, what the hell is all this shit? This is, uh, let's try on the shit out of all this. Okay. I'm just going to scroll through a little bit more here. So I just, just gives you some eyeballs. So we're dealing again, we're dealing with vested remainders. A vested remainder is given to a person or individual who's certain. We literally are vesting that thing in ourselves, showing the court we got it. And then the court approves it, says, yes, I love your idea of vesting stamp. Contingent remainders, again, a contingent remainder is given to someone who's not certain. That's why it's contingent. It's floating around. It's not nailed down. It's not expressed. It's there. It's got possibilities all over it, but it's floating around in your purse or your back pocket, and we didn't know what to do with it. An unmet condition that is set out within the description of a particular estate and must be satisfied before that estate can become possessory. This is what perfecting your interests is all about. This is how we make these estates change. We transform them. Transforming it with just the common law doesn't work. You need something more powerful, which is why there's a maxim that says a life estate can only exist in equity. Oh, well, I love the word life. Anytime I see that, go for it. It's never going to steer you wrong. 
cleave to that one. Whatever's attached to the word life with a hyphen is probably still going to be in our best interests. We just got to figure out what some of this stuff is talking about. So again, this is just some of my um, uh, highlights from some of the sources that I've pulled over the years. But again, this doctrine of worthy your title. Now again, in past episodes, I mentioned the court will not presume a party has a better title or better claims to equity until that party, he or she discloses it. This is what doctrine of worthy your title is talking about. If, what's what I mean? What does all of that mean? The doctrine of worthy your title means, hey, you had a shitty something before, but now you made it a whole lot better. It's worth a lot more. Your effort is about to be rewarded. Doctrine is just ancient principles. And I mean ancient, going back way back. And they haven't changed. Those are the rigid principles that govern everything. That's equity. So then you get a bunch of bankers and lawyers, cler or clerks of the, of the church, these types, who really know the system. They look at that and they go, well, if we trick a man or a woman into doing this, 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 and this, we can strip them of all their God-given rights, force them to become a part of a whole other something, and we would literally be able to control them for our enjoyment. If you've got building pyramids on your bucket list with slave labor today, I can understand why you would need a system like that. This is where this whole new quantum idea is going to mitigate, that's going to soften some of the edges here, because we are proving through doctrine, through ancient principles, that we have a title that's way better than the other guy, especially that guy standing across from me in the courtroom right now trying to say that I ran through a stop sign. Equity doesn't care if you ran through a stop sign. Again, you've always heard people saying, where's the injured party? Where's the injured party? If there's no injured party, there's no crime. Can you imagine if the injured party happens when you were 16 and you made application for that social program card? There, you just created an injured party yourself. They're not going to tell you that because then you're going to go trying to seek remedy and fix this. Well, this is why we're coming forward now and fixing this. Okay, so the legal system is, okay, this rule in Shelley's case, this is about equitable doctrines kind of squeaking through and punching a hole in the common law. And the common law didn't like it a whole lot, so they went ahead later after this Shelley's case, and they abolished it. The rule to Shelley's case has been abolished in this province. Why? Oh, yeah, because it's talking about the proper way to move a contingent remainder in A, and his or her heirs as a remainder in A. It was getting around the common law principle of controlling everything. And so the rule in Shelley's case is pretty landmark. It's pretty big. If you wanted to do a little bit of Googling and oogling and getting your head wrapped around that, it was pretty important. So this is why. Because the rule in Shelley's case, does merger apply? Yes, because the remainder is now vested. The remainder in that little estate is now vested in someone else. Aha, new trustees. Those little new trustees get the little remainder estate. That opens the door for you to run 
with the big one in equity. Again, equitable doctrines are running the moment we perfect our interest in that security. The moment you express it, it went from your mind to your hand to intent to form. Use an affidavit now to talk about that event. Off to the races. So there's a little bit more here to come. Um, I've got... Real quick here, uh, Scott wants to know, where can we see Shelley's case? Uh, you know what? Mm, I've seen it in Canada a number of times. It's going to be throughout the Commonwealth. Where did this happen? I actually think it's out of England, believe it or not. Uh, this is going back, I'm going to say, I don't know, like 150 years ago type of thing. But point being is that this was a big one because it laid down some serious equitable smackdown. And then Kamala has to scramble to try to figure out a way to get around it again. So again, this is why things like words, again, everything I'm showing you here, almost all of these words are going to have to go into the glossary so that we can have an idea of what the hell it is we're talking about. These vested interests in these vested estates and possessory interests and all of this type of stuff. So uh, I've touched on that one. I just want to scramble through this for a second. Okay. Here's where we can really start to switch gears. And again, we're developing this. So don't be worried about catching everything right now. This is all getting posted later. You can go back and chew on this at your leisure. Me talking about it and you trying to read it at the same time is doing nothing but spinning confusion up here. <laughs> Just give this a little bit to sink in, which is really why we need that closing meditation to help you guys with all this stuff. Okay. Estates generally. Okay. Where's, where's this coming from there in this property law two stuff? You know what? Go into, go Google Black's Law second edition. Go Google a word or go search a word. On the right-hand side of, of Black's Law, they have a column on the right-hand side with a whole bunch of obscure titles. And I'm thinking very few people ever click on these titles. When you click on the one that says property law number two, this is what's hiding. It's talking about estates generally. What is an estate? Oh, there you go. An estate is an interest in property. That's it. If you can express an interest or property, it can become an estate or a state property or life estate property. That is, or it may become possessory. You may come into possession of this interest in this estate. And once you have it, and once you prove you can have it, you might want to go stick it to uh, an excited trustee that just can't wait to be stuck with your life expression. That's what lawyers are sitting there waiting for. They never wanted us to figure that part out. Um, okay, so a life estate is a possessory interest. It's a present possessory estate or a PPE. A reversion is an estate. Oh, look at that. How can that be? Well, when mom and dad didn't perfect an interest in that thing when you were born, an estate creates itself out of a reversionary event. This thing may become possessory, not at the moment, because it just got abandoned. <laughs> Although the day mom and dad got the birth certificate in the mail, they could have spun around that very day and done this and fixed everything. Um, but this is a right to possess something in the future, a future possessory interest or an FPI. Again, 
This is the substantial magical language that the judges are waiting for us to start using. So this, this little blurb here, this goes on for about 10 pages. So it's all of this stuff. Now, again, this is why before we started building new petitions, loved ones, this is why I wanted to talk a little bit about some of this shit first, because if I start building a petition, we already have it two thirds configured. We got a lot of substance sitting in there. What's it waiting for now? All this freaking language. So when this language shows up, you all know what the hell it is I'm sort of talking about. So although tonight we're building petition, yeah, okay, that's on standby. We're literally getting familiar with the two by fours that we're about to build the petition with. So we got all kinds of stuff here. Fee simple to feasible. This can be prematurely cut short. A fee simple determinable. A fee simple subject to a condition subsequent. <laughs> See it again. See how rabbit holy this all gets really quickly? Um, we got uh, a fee simple subject to an executory interest. Well, that's almost talking about what the grantor might be doing right about there. Subject to an executory interest. If he shows up as the grantor executing something under a will, let's just subvert the word will and put trust in there instead. That's dicey. That's dicey. Um, I don't like going down that executory interest thing. So I'm not, again, like I said earlier, I'm not going to promote that a whole lot. I'm going to show, we're going to explain another way to do this. Anytime that there's a subject condition or whenever we're talking about subsequent, that sub word means that something has happened. Something is either subsequently or consequently. One of the two. Judges like to rule when things happen subsequently. We have a harder time trying to convince them when things happen consequently. The way they rule, the way they set it up, don't yell at me. Anyway, we got a couple categories of future possessory interests. We got something that, you know, a transfer, something retained by the transfer, something kept back. This thing has the possibility of reverter. This thing has the power of being terminated. Ooh, like that one. This thing, it's in the reversionary state right now. Again, created in the transferee. Ah, what gets created in the transferee? The transferee is the other party. That's the other trustees. You're the transfer or the transferer. I'm transferring. I'm the transfer or you're receiving. You're the transferee. Ah, this interest that gets created, this legal title that shows up as complete as a complete gift to the new trustees is essentially an executory interest being created in the transferee. They're now the executors. They're the administrators. They're the trustees. Again, back in the day, Dean always wanted to be the executor. It's like, dude, that's still a trustee. We still argue about that once in a while. Again, if you're going to show up and ex ex execute something, show up and execute your affidavit as the grantor and then jump back out of that grantor spot. We don't, you, you either want to be the grantee or the beneficiary. Don't get caught in the grantor spot. That's why you want to put that hat on, grant your interest, and get back out. So let's use some language used to create this fee simple. Again, more glossary words. This is, has to expand like a whole bunch for us to get our, our, our melons wrapped around this. Okay, so at the common law, me to you and your heirs and assigns. It has to say this. 
This is the only way to create a fee simple absolute. No substitutions. That's it. Do not change a single word. If you do, it's fatal. As in dead, doesn't work for you. Okay. So and her heirs are words of inheritance. That's why. Making it clear that the estate will last longer than your lifetime. If you die. If you're entitled to, to eternal life, maybe you can get around that one. And assigns are words of alienability. Oh, there's that word again. This is suggesting, hey, I can alienate that legal interest. I can make it alien to me. I can make it foreign to me. I can make it no longer attached to me. I can dispose of that filthiness and give it to the garbage man down the street, those new trustees who love garbage for some reason. Uh, and this is what makes it clear that this estate is transferable. If that estate is not capable of being moved, we got a problem. Why would it be incapable of being moved? Why? Because you didn't show up as the grantee, perfecting your interest in it, putting wheels under it, and then giving it a push. That's why grantee is so important. Okay, so at modern law, we're talking about various other possibilities, uh, conveying maxims. Uh, again, I'm just going to let you look over this for the next couple of days, few days. Use this in your glossary. This is all gold. This is confusing as hell. But at the end of the day, the selections that we make out of this are going to be pretty insignificant. It's just going to be a sentence or three using a combination of this stuff to get the job done. So don't feel for a moment, hey, I, I, you need to know and understand all of this shit. Yeah, no. We're just trying to paint a little quick picture here as to this desired magical language that the judges are looking for. Oh. Uh, ambiguities interpreted in favor of grantee, not the grantor. Ambiguities in favor of the grantee. Anything that's in favor of the grantee, even if it's ambiguitous, or even if there's ambiguities surrounding it, even if there's a little bit of confusion, even if it's still a little dirty, even if we still haven't quite got it right, the judges will still find in favor of the grantee if we're doing our process properly. So that's why it's important to always fall back to that spot or the beneficiary. Don't, there you go. That's why I was saying a moment ago, don't get stuck in the grantor position because if something goes sideways, you're they're not going to be able to help you a whole lot. Okay. There's that word intervivos in one's lifetime. That means right now. There's two types though. We got one is in will to will to beneficiaries or check this one out or the other one's intestate. You, you may have heard lawyers and, and court systems and shit talk about, well, Jimmy Johnson there, he died intestate. What the hell does that mean? He died intestate. It means any prospective heirs not covered by his will, which means he really didn't create a will to look after his prospective heirs. He died incomplete. He was supposed to complete all this shit during his lifetime, and he did nothing. Okay, that's why the judge and the courts now step in and deal with an intestate scenario. Clean up the mess appropriate certain funding. If, if Jimmy Johnson died and he's got no family, no one, his estate now reverts back to the state and the state administrates it. This, the state pays for his funeral, looks after insurance things, if he had any, 
that's what I'm suggesting. That's where this whole administration thing comes in. Encumbrances, again, this is kind of a, a, a land titles type term where it's just going to say that something has been attached that affects title to property. Think of an encumbrance as a speed bump. An officer can't give you a speeding ticket anymore because every time he tries to get to you, he hits this speed bump and he gets bounced out. He can't really get close enough to you to attach liability to you. Why? Because you've got an encumbrance on your title. The declaration of a life estate essentially creates an encumbrance. It's saying, hey, this is hands off to the public. The public can't touch anything described in this particular life estate. So we got more fee simple stuff here. Uh, the feasible uh, related to future possessory interests. We got restrictions. There's a whole bunch of meat here. Forfeitures. Look at this one uh, down here. This number two, as opposed to a jurisdictional split at modern law, there is no inter vivos transferability at common law. Really? <laughs> That's just saying, hey, you can't do anything for the living. <laughs> Transfer it within the common law. Holy shit. There's an eye opener. Look at this. It even goes on to say, even, even the law abhors a forfeiture. Now, again, that's technically an equitable maxim. That should read equity abhors the forfeiture. See, that's where these legal guys over the years, they like to blend and blur the line between what's equitable and what's legal to kind of keep us confused, to kind of keep us in, in the lamb, not really knowing what the hell we're doing. But look at this one. Two exceptions to the common law rule regarding transferability which some states still follow, although not California. Merger. <laughs> Merger is one of the exceptions to the common law rule regarding transferability. Ding, 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 ding. Which is why we need to be focusing on mergers. We get around all the common law bullshit as soon as we merge titles and as soon as we can prove we've merged them. Again, colleague in the United States, trained up a guy. This is going back, I don't know, five years ago. The guy lived, was living in British Columbia near the Vancouver area. He had a credit card debt for about 2500 bucks. Credit card company's taking him to court. Hey, pay your debt. He's like, nope, I don't want to pay the debt because I'm going to do something special here. Rolls into court, gets his equitable defenses on the record, but then loses. Still lost the court case. Credit card company still won. Hey, buddy, you still owe us the 2500 bucks. This guy goes, oh, yeah, watch this. He goes and merges titles affecting that credit card debt. He perfects some interests in some things. He goes back to that same judge a week later. That guy walks out of court with a check for $2.5 million. That was the conversion between a credit card debt for $2,500, what it was really worth at the end of its life cycle. After all of that paperwork, gets monetized and traded and turned into bond securities and all that bullshit out there on the stock market. After all that was said and done, that $2,500 credit card debt is now worth $2.5 And he cashed in on that whole amount. Because again, they've got these magical quantum algorithms that can figure all this stuff out. We don't need to really give a shit about how they do it. Point is, he did it. A couple of weeks after that, this guy now goes back to land titles and he does something with the birth certificate, very similarly to what he did to the credit card debt, merged titles with that bad boy, poof, guy's gone. 
Last we hear, he was heading to the Caribbean. This was the parting message, though, he left for the guy who spent two and a half years teaching this guy how to do it. He said, please tell Buddy, thank you for teaching me about merger. And then the guy vanishes. Didn't even tell the teacher what he did. Imagine the student gets through before the teacher does. And then the student doesn't even tell the teacher what he did and disappears. I don't know. That's not how I'm going to do it. Okay. So having put eyeballs on Scott's material, Bryce's material, yes, guys, we're going to trim some of the fat here. There's a lot of good substance in there. As a matter of fact, by trimming the fat, what I'm actually suggesting is we're going to add some of this language. This language is actually going to trim the fat of those other documents because this is the nuts and bolts that the judges are looking for. Transfer incidental to reversion. Okay, more crazy language. We don't know what the hell this is all even talking about. You know what? But at the end of the day, I want to share one more screen. So let's say it again. Okay, and then uh, at the end here, uh, with a few minutes to go, I'm just going to we'll open that up and let uh, Bryce and Scott fire a question at us. Before I get there, though, um, I want to share one more screen with you. So I'm going to stop sharing this one. And again, don't worry if you didn't get this. This will all be posted later. See if I can do this. Stop share. Okay, now I can see all of you. So now I'm going to go back to screen share. And uh, how I see it. Okay, this was written in 2010 by a lawyer. But when you check out what this guy's talking about, Oh, uh, let's just let me go back to the beginning here. Do, 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 do. Okay, I'll just go to the very beginning. Okay, so it's it's this guy here in the winter of 2010. Private law property. What? Written by some law student as taught by some professor of law, some Deborah Curran. This woman knows her shit. Check this out. We get right into the doctrine of estates. Fee simple estates, life estates, and Aboriginal title. Oh, I'm probably not going to touch on the Aboriginal title tonight, but it's a doozy. It says something like this. Hey, if a bona fide protected purchaser for value without notice shows up, all you Aboriginals, you don't have the same power that person does. So be careful. Ooh, what did you just say there? Yeah. The Aboriginal, the Indigenous peoples. Yes, I know they've been screwed. We've all been screwed. Hello. Satan doesn't give a shit what color your skin is. Doesn't care if you're a man or woman. Doesn't care what the hell you are. He, he, she wants to eat you all the same. Check out some of this meat, though. Under the property lacked. Oh, so lacked. Oh, there, there. That's just me combining the word law and act together. Okay, that's all that was. The largest interest available, usually a fee simple, the largest interest available. That's why we're homing in on fee simple. Is what is transferred unless a transfer is explicitly of a lesser interest. We can have smaller interests than the fee simple. When the cop pulls you over, he's expressing an interest in a lesser estate. He's not going after your fee simple. He can't. He doesn't have the jurisdiction to. But he's still attaching liability to a smaller estate, which you've pledged allegiance to and promised to pay for. He's got you. We can come along, crush that estate, right? Create the life estate, smash and destroy that contingent remainder. 
Oh, look at this though. Uh, okay, so okay, so a fee simple estate may be determinable or on a special condition. Whoever's creating this trust or these agreements, a determinable estate lasts until some event occurs. Ah, that determinable estate, while it's floating on reversion, right, it's spinning in reversion land, waiting. Remember, it's on standby. It's waiting for a determinable event, some event to occur. Aha, your perfection. Doing That balloon goes pop. That whole illusion now is gone. Life estates. Oh, look what we're talking about here. Set a KV. The life by which the life estate is measured. That's what a life estate is. Many of us who've been around the block a number of times, we've all heard of set a KV and set a K trust and set a K trustees. Set a KV Act 1666, that's a big deal. That was a lot of the legislation that led to the predicament that we're in. So anytime you see the word set a KV or pour sa vie, I'm not even French and I like that one. Pour autre vie, there's another one. Kim's laughing. Yeah, I know you're French. You should, I know. Okay, good. good. Continuing. Anyway, we start talking about income versus capital. What's capital? Capital is the silver coin you attach to that birth certificate. Now you have a securitized trust Capitally funded. <laughs> waste. We got a lot to talk about waste. As long as you're as long as you're exempted for committing equitable waste. See, look at this. It must be specifically excluded in the grant. That's an that's an important one. That's actually giving us the right to do whatever the hell we want to do, as long as we don't hurt people. This all comes down to waste, whether we're making use of waste or not. It's kind of silly, but that's what we're doing. Life estates arising from wills. Okay, well, what we're going to talk about is life estates arising from trust expressions. But again, they can't call it that on these little public documents for the world to see. They can't say public is a life estate arising from a creation of a trust. No, that's letting the cat out of the bag. Because everyone's already presumed dead and unable to create bona fide real trusts. So again, we're talking lay person. We got a whole, this guy devises property to his wife to have during her lifetime. Life estate is formed. Again, here's some of that crazy special language we need to start using. I got to turn up the, the heat here a little bit for time, loved ones. Um, life estates arising by operation of law. There's that word intestate again. This particular estate, this life estate may not be sold. You can't sell it. They may not sell this estate. This is the highest one. We can grant an interest away to the state. That's why the state rolled in and said, yeah, we'll take over. Your mom and dad dropped the ball. They were foolish. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. Oh, we're talking about equity here. Look at this. Equity. The court of equity may also grant a life estate when it serves the purpose of justice. Yeah, okay, let's take that one. Aboriginal title. Oh, look at this. This isn't quite what I was talking about, though. But hang on. Um, check this out. Aboriginal title is incompatible with the Torrens. That's the land title system that we're all dealing with. I think even the United States uses this. So Aboriginal title is incompatible with the current land title system of land registration. It is an unregisterable charge that is valid without registration. That is straight up equity. Boom. 
Remember, as soon as you register something, it becomes public. This native nation is saying, hey, our inherent rights are non-registerable. Great. It doesn't mean their claims are any less valid. Nope. Some smart cookies over there. Origins and nature of equitable interests, historical background, uses and trusts. They want us to think uses and trusts are the same thing, slightly different. They created something called the statute of uses. What's that? That's legislation. That's, the, that's as close as they can come to really describing what trusts are. Why? Because trusts are inherent. They're for the living, not for the dead. The dead gets their uses. We get the trusts. So, again, a whack ton of knowledge here, a whack ton of stuff. Again, when I was talking earlier, about, earlier today about where one person is seized of land. Okay, what's land? We know land is all kinds of stuff. When one person is seized of land for the use slash trust of another. When you put that birth certificate into the possession of new trustees under a trust arrangement, under a transfer, they're seized of that legal interest. You just encased them in concrete. They can't escape. All they can do is say, hey, Your Honor, I'm trapped in this concrete bubble. I don't want to be here, but you're going to have to appoint somebody else to stand inside this concrete bubble just because I don't want to be here. There always has to be someone inside that concrete bubble now. Someone needs to be seized of this legal thing now that you've disposed of it. It has to go somewhere. Just recycle your stuff properly. Dispose of your stuff properly. Take it to the proper recycling facility near you. It's the same shit that we're doing. We just got to look at it a little bit different. Okay. Resulting trusts. Um, circumstances in which a resulting trust may be found. Really? The beneficial entitlement has not been fully or properly disposed of by the settlor. Ah, there's a question for a judge. Hey, Your Honor, I believe I got a resulting trust here, but... I don't know if it's, if it's been fully or properly disposed of by me acting as the settlor. So I'm going to put it into a lawyer's capable hands or your capable hands, Your Honor, so that you can properly dispose of it. See, what that's telling you is this beneficial entitlement has not been fully developed is all. The ball's rolling. It was enough to be rolling for you to express all this. That's a result of you having all this knowledge, you having all this wisdom. You're the one that creates the resulting trust. Once the resulting trust is in your hands, look at this. The settlor, party A, gratuitously, what does that mean? That means for consideration, or that means like there's some kind of value hiding there. So this guy gratuitously transfers property to B, but... The first guy retains the beneficial interest. More magical language that we need to start homing in on. We can accomplish a lot when we start putting kind of these sentences in some of our documents, which is why I got it in the beginning of the affidavit now that I was showing everyone this morning. And if you weren't there, sorry, if you weren't there this morning, and if you can't catch it tomorrow morning, again, it's all going on YouTube. It's all being posted and archived. And again, we're making it available for as many as we can. Um, okay. 
Here, I just want to get right into constructive trust. Okay, so why do we go from resulting trust to constructive trust right away? What the hell's going on here? Okay, so again, uh, this is essentially where a judge can come in and construct, create a constructive trust based on your resulting trust. He can look at the paperwork that you're bringing before him and he can say, yep, I can see a I can see a resulting trust expression given the circumstances that you were in and considering the premises, what you did to that title. Ah, I can see a result. A plus B results in C. Resulting is a very important word. Um, remedial trusts. This is something we can sort of talk about. This is to remedy unjust enrichment. But you know what? When we ask for the uh, accounting and we ask to settle the account, things of this nature, that kind of gets rid of all the unjust enrichment going on anyway. So I'm going to suggest, unless you really want to dive into remedial trust and add that to your repertoire or add that feather to your hat, go ahead. But really, at the end of the day, resulting trust right to a constructive trust gets the job done. Look at this one. A constructive trust where part of the legal title is held in trust for somebody. If monetary compensation is inadequate, example, unlikely to be paid, or if you have a special interest, really, how is the government going to pay you monetary compensation for the value of your life? You know what? Literally, is your wife, is your life worth a trillion dollars to you? Yeah. Is it worth $2 trillion to you? Is it worth $20 trillion? See what I'm getting at? The government, this thing is priceless. They can't attach a fucking number to it. It's so out there. So don't worry about trying to quantify what our estates are worth. That's to come. All we need to worry about is getting this thing sort of resulting so that the judge can see it. And by using these words and a lot of this kind of stuff, this is the magical sentences we're talking about. Again, qualified transfers and future interests. This is good stuff. Vested and contingent interests. This is going to break down everything that we're talking about. Look, to A, pretend you're A. To you for life. To the trustee, party B, and fee simple. Both of you have vested interests. You are vested in possession. Your interest is presently being realized. B is vested in interest. His interest will be realized at a later date. Now let's skip down to this. Look at this. Under remainder and reversion. The rest of the estate that hasn't been dealt with passes to the next. So we have an illegal estate that hasn't been dealt with. That's why we're dealing with it right now. This thing now becomes, look at this. It's an incomplete gift. So from, from A to B for life, this is where you can literally say from all caps to proper styling for life. You got your corporation that was holding your equitable shit this whole time. That thing, you can come as that, right? You can come as the all caps name. Haven't you been doing it your whole life? Okay, so what's stopping you from doing it right, right now just one last time? Okay, I'm coming as the all caps name one last time to do what? To grant an interest to you the real you styled your name different 
as party B for life. We can do some pretty magical stuff here when you actually start to sink your teeth into this. Uh, here we go. We got defeasible interests again. A defeasible interest is the opposite of a contingent interest. Remember, contingent means it was floating around. It was not dealt with. No one has shown an interest in this thing. Ah, as soon as you show up and say, yes, I'm going to take that defeasible title, that defeasible interest, and I'm going to stick it on the new trustees. It's no longer floating around. You pulled it from the cloud. You downloaded it. You printed it. And you went, tag, you're it. That is a determined event. So you can see, once you do this, look at this. If the condition subsequent is met, ah, subsequent, the grantor's estate retains or obtains a right of re-entry. Uh -huh. Can you imagine when you were 16 years old, you voluntarily left the show, you left the program, and now you're allowed to re-enter it though. Pretty neat. I'm going to jump right back up here to though for just a second under remainder. To you for life, to the new trustees in Fee Simple, as we were mentioning just a moment ago, look at this. You is vested in possession with a life estate. Aha. B, the trustee, is vested in interest with the remainder, the fee simple. They get the fee simple. You get the life estate. Everyone's happy. Cha-ching. Okay, we're blown over an hour. Um, I'm just going to let you put eyeballs on where this goes. They got, they're, they're talking about limitations on private power, how to avoid things. They're talking about family trusts. Cypress Doctrine is pretty cool. Charitable trusts, charitable purposes, public benefit, uncertainty, legal remainder rules. So here it is here. Here it is again. Springing interests rule. Oh, I just got tingles again. Shifting interests rule. Timely vesting of things. <coughs> Excuse me. Wait and see. We're going around the wait and see rule because we're actually doing it. Believe it or not, while that thing's contingently floating around, it's just waiting and seeing. Waiting and seeing. Every time you roll into court, Bryce, that thing's waiting and seeing. Waiting and seeing. That's why getting this language nailed down is so important. Oh, look at this. Note, we're talking about some equitable interests here. Look at this. None of this shit above applies or none of the above rules apply to purely equitable interests. Well, isn't that interesting? Well, that's what I was saying earlier. When we hit the purely equitable category, we don't even need to deal with any of this shit no more. But we got to get through this to get to the purely side. We got to, we got to, we're impure right now. We got to get cleaned up so we can get to the pure side. Uh, here's that, here's that shitty legal executory interests again. This is that statute of uses rule. If that statute of uses is being used to shift the legal title over to the equitable title holder, that person has a legal executory interest. Well, that's kind of neat. And now all they're doing is waiting for a testamentary disposition to show up, which is you disposing of your interests. And again, and they're only just, they're, they're doing the wait and see, wait and see, seeing if this thing is capable of applying to it. And that is if the interest might vest in that time frame, your lifetime. If you're able to vest that interest into someone else within your lifetime, boom, you're going to heaven, people. It's literally what we're talking about here. Rule against perpetuities. This is where the legal system tries to get in and muck things up for us a little bit. Joint tenancy and tenancy in common. That's some pretty neat stuff. 
uh, severance of joint tenancies, mutual agreements, resultant severance, unilateral declaration. What the hell is a unilateral declaration? That's where you unilaterally by yourself, you don't need permit for permission from no one. You can roll ahead and go do all this shit all yourself. Look at this. We're talking about survivorship. Can you imagine when that vessel, that, that birth certificate implodes, it's destroyed. You literally survived that explosion, which is why they're talking about a survivorship. That first ship literally exploded on the water. It's gone. So you're provided with a new survivorship. That new survivorship might be pretty good, depending on how you build it. We're talking about executing a trust deed does sever the tenancy of any kind if it is a valid gift of the beneficial interest. Where and why would we ever be gifting a beneficial interest to somebody? Well, when you're showing up as the all caps name, transferring an interest to you as the settler when you style your name properly, and then that guy turns around now and expresses a trust and names a beneficiary, Maybe you styling your name in all in all lowercase letters. I don't know. See, that's neat though. See, you, you can actually appear as three different titles, three different characters within the same transaction. All of this is here. Here you go. Talking about concurrent. You've heard me talk about the concurrent jurisdiction. Well, there's an example of it. We're talking about partitions of property, co-ownership. This is saying some pretty neat stuff for marriages. If you want to touch on that. Again, this will all be set up for you guys. So you guys can all touch on this. Moral, ob we got legal obligations and we got moral obligations. Really? That would tell me there is no moral nothing in legal. Because why would there, why the hell would there be two categories? Kind of strange. Common law couples, criticisms, more matrimonial stuff. Um, stuff, stuff, stuff. Strata is land, ownership models, acquiring and transferring interests in land. Believe it or not, I, I'm from everything that I'm looking at, really, that birth certificate that we're carrying around in our pocket, that is a crown grant. We, Our mom and dad granted something to the crown, and then they granted us something, a certificate. That's a, that's a crown grant, is it not? Well, if we turn that crown grant into an inter vivos transfer or a trust, as a gift, not necessarily a contract, but look at it, look at what we can do with some of this stuff. If one is purporting to deal with land in an instrument, one must explicitly state that one is dealing in real estate, not merely land. So every time we see the word land, let's change that to real estate. Now again, real estate professionals are probably going to get pretty excited because they're going to start to understand and say, oh my God. Look at how close these two worlds are. I understand how to transfer titles in my job every day. That's essentially what Darren's talking about. We're just changing the meaning of the word house and dirt to a man and interests. But a lot of the same things apply. Pretty interesting. Okay. Again, I'm supposed to be speeding this up. Oh, here's another. Here's another note. Equity prevails over the common law. There's another one. Primary, uh, pri proprietary estoppel. Priorities on land and land title registration. Priorities at common law and inequity. Look at this. Bonafide purchaser for value without notice. There's that BFPVWN I was talking about. That acronym, we can actually use it. You and lawyers put 
uh, Mrs. Stacy Johnson, EQ, ABCD, one, two, three, did, 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 all that shit. We can start doing that too. Drop this one, BFPVWN. Drop CKV, set a KV. Add some shit to your name too. All those protectionary things we're doing, it's all for good measure. And it's just us leveling the playing field. Oh, there's so much shit here. Again, take the next few days to go over some of this shit when you guys got a chance. Because again, we're, I'm going to be dropping this stuff going into the affidavit and into the uh, petition starting like tomorrow. So although we were setting the stage for Bryce and, and, and Scott to be talking about their stuff tonight, I kind of railroaded that because this was the time where we started to read really needed to drop in a whole bunch of this stuff. And again, this continues up all the way up to like 15 pages here. Why I'm doing this? Because when we start talking, oh, oh, wait a minute, look at this one. If the transferee had dominion over the chattels, anytime you see that word dominion, you should get little elevator feelings in your stomach, like butterflies. That's incredible stuff. What was I just saying? Why am I explaining all this stuff? Because when you start seeing some of this wording and some of these sentences in the affidavit and in the deeds and in the petition and in the security agreement and in the administrative, da, 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 da. this is why. Covenants, covenants are important. Privity of covenant, when again, there's privity is another super equitable word. And then it's just going to give us some index on cases. So again, this is all going to be posted for your guys' consumption here to just take a peek at over the next few days. I'm not saying, hey, memorize this shit in the next 48 hours, because even I don't have it all memorized yet. Working on it. But again, I'm going to start to redline this shit for you. I'm just going to start highlight. Okay, out of all this crap, out of all these 15 pages, loved ones, what is it, Darren, that we really, really, really need to know? Okay, well, give me a day, and I'll highlight the shit out of all that, and we'll actually have some working variants of it, because they're going to have to go into this paperwork. Right, lickety split. Okay, so I'm going to stop screen sharing this. I'm pretty proud of myself for actually figuring out how to do the screen share stuff. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, let's say, okay, let's Bryce fire one question at me, dude, and don't make it one that's going to result in a 20 minute answer. Then I'm going to fire one at Scott and then we're going to wrap up and I'll see y'all again tomorrow for the affidavit class. Uh, at one o'clock okay. again, our time. And again, I actually like doing these these earlier in the day segments as well because again, people in Australia, other parts of the world, they get to benefit from this too. So that we can literally have this. It's going to feel like this is all going down in real life time, which is a, ultimately what I'm aiming to do here, loved ones. So I'm just going to mute out for a second, uh, Kim. If you're still holding the wheel, I'll let you unmute Bryce and let's do it. Yeah, I'm unmuted. Uh, my only question is uh, now with uh, the file number on the petition, can I throw in more than one file number or just keep it to one? Because I wanted to, I was thinking of throwing it for the tw 14th and the 24th. Oh, I can't hear you. Yeah, okay, there we go. I got rid of that mute problem. Uh, list, um, whichever one is the beefier of the two. If you got a speeding ticket versus uh, something else that's way more important. I'm going to suggest pick one of the two just to get the ball rolling because you can always fall back and incorporate that one later. Because here's why. If you try to spin your petition to cover two different court cases for now, that could result in more yeah. confusion. So just pick one, whichever one you feel is more important, whichever one may have a, a, a beefier outcome, home in on that, start with that one. Once we get our foot in the door, now we can say, hey, oh, and by the way, Your Honor, 
I would also like to attach my same interest here I've expressed to this particular case over here. And then to this one and this one and all of them. Because I know you've broken the law more than once, as I have. Yeah. You know, gotcha. Yeah, all of those accounts eventually are going to be getting marshaled. They're all going to get liquefied. When that master appoints representatives, court clerks, court officers to go and marshal all the securities that your name slash your social insurance number slash that birth certificate has ever come into contact with over the course of its entire lifetime. Someone has to go out there and track all that shit down, which is why it's impractical for us to demand a full accounting within 24 hours. Come on. I actually had another loved one. He should be joining us on one of these Zooms here right away. The same, the same guy that the judge asked, okay, well, what's your remedy? And so, oh, shit, I don't know. Same guy. He said, Darren, that very first court case I rolled into when he was dropping some of his equitable stuff, the crown rolled in, I shit you not, loved ones, with a dolly. You know those bankers file boxes? Those white and brown ones? There was like four of them. Four fucking boxes high on a dolly that the crown rolled into the courthouse that day. And my buddy's looking at that going, what the hell is all that? Dude, that's your, that's your life's accounting. You're looking at it. When you declare your interest and when you put your interests out there properly, that whole file now becomes your property. It's yours. They would have literally given him his entire life's worth of accounting if he had asked for it. He thought that that was very strange that there's all of a sudden, you know, four feet of paperwork in a courtroom where he's the only one in the courtroom. Strange. Oh, shit. So, again, not reasonable to ask for that full accounting in 24 hours. Give them more time than that. They'll let you know how long they need. Scott, man, fire one at me. Hey, Darren. Uh, I, I got tons of them, but if I had to just pick one, is this kind of essentially like an equity lien on a legal title? Absolutely. Okay, that's what I yeah. thought. This is why we, we're able to exercise our alienability. A lien, an equitable lien, is able to be applied or fixed to a legal title under a trust expression. Boom. By private appointment, I appoint, I duly appoint you. Not you, Scott. You, right. Mr. And Mrs. Lawyer over there. You, duly appointed. Yes, okay. To act for this express trust. Are you disclaiming the trust? Oh, because aren't you already in possession of the certificate of security perfected under regulations, province of British Columbia? Oh, and isn't there valuable consideration already attached to that collateral? And oh, doesn't that meet the definitions of a conveyance? Haven't I illustrated four times over four different methods of perfecting my interest? That crown attorney is going to run out of things to say very quickly. This is why they have to carry their checkbook into court every day. They never know when one of us might spring something on them. We might shift liability and place it into their hands directly. See, that's why they're the ones sitting on the hot seat here, loved ones, not us. Now that we've figured all this shit out, they're the ones. Woe unto ye lawyers. I think the I think scripture says it like two or three times. And woe is not a good thing in this context. 
It's a, this is not, trust me. So, destroyed for their lack of knowledge. Yes. We literally flipped the tables now. But yeah, you're right, buddy. Absolutely. This is an equitable lien getting dropped. And it's a doozy. You never really hear me talk about liens very much because Dean kicked that horse to death. Commercial. I actually don't I actually don't go there a whole lot. But yes, an equitable lien is a result of you perfecting that security and putting it into the possession of the party meant to have the freaking thing. Boom, that is a lien. And as long as you don't discharge it, as long as you don't screw with it, that is stuck with them forever. Wow, would I have fun with you uh, sitting down face to face? <laughs> I know. Again, and that's why we're trying to do this, loved ones. Again, I can do this shit all day. I love Every it. Day. I love it. Every too. day. There's there's so much re- there's so much history here. There's so much resource. There's so much substance. There's so much jurisprudence. I could talk for a freaking year, and we still wouldn't cover it all. But again, this is why we're going to actually start using examples. Again, like I was mentioning there the other night, we're going to go out with a, with a federal tax. Uh, pro- a problem that one of our loved one has, as many of us do. We're going to home in on that. We're going to home in on a marital spousal divorce scenario. We're going to home in on child custody. We're going to home in on criminal, of course. All wrapped up with what we're doing here. This covers all of it. Yeah, so, they stole my house too. So that's kind of where, that's what set this all off. So, right, right. Yeah, absolutely, bud. For sure. Declaring these deeds to be mortgages and equity. That's one of our go-tos. That's one of our silver bullets. And that's we, kind of what I thought I did. So when we go over that, I'm, I'm really anxious. You know, like uh, it's, it's great to finally speak with you because like this is where we get the truth and the light and we share the actual knowledge yeah. from all the great minds that are out there doing this. So to yeah. Team Divergent 5 and all the loved ones, God bless you and thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. couldn't agree more, my friend. And again, it doesn't take millions of us to pull this off. It'll, it would literally take a small handful. We've already got more enthusiasm than what's needed to completely change the entire dynamic of the planet as we know it. That should be pretty empowering. That should be pretty, yeah, I like the sound of that. So again, tomorrow, Scott, Bryce, we're going to dive more into your paperwork. We're going to rip it apart. We're going to improve it. We're going to have better working versions of the petition. We're going to start that tomorrow. Uh, we're going to finish up on the affidavit here in the next couple of days. We're going to get the deed introduced into all of this still. So, again, I might have to do three shows in a day here. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to have to allow for maybe more than an hour. You know what? Maybe maybe an hour and 15 minutes. We'll see if we can stretch it out as far as we can. The point is here, yeah, we got a lot of track to cover. And, again, the beautiful thing here with the technology we got is this is all being recorded for your consumption at your leisure, at your pleasure. Knock yourself out. And, again, I highly recommend listening to these things over and over and over again. I know that does eat up a lot of your time, but I believe Kim is converting all of these things into podcasts. So unless you have to be looking at me, if you can be driving and listening, have at her. Everything that you're doing that can allow for you to be taking in messages, do it. And I I strongly suggest we do because I'm going to keep bringing it. I'm going to keep keeping it red. I'm going to keep it green and a couple other colors. We're just going to mix the shit out of all of this, shake it up and see what happens. And we got guys like Scott and Bryce and others that are going out there and laying track down boots on the ground, actually getting this shit done. That is a major component of what we're doing here, loved ones. So again, congrats and peace and love to all of you that are doing all this. And you know what? We are doing this for a reason. This is incredibly powerful stuff. 
and we're not the only ones doing it. We're all here to share with each other. We're going to get it done. Okay, loved ones. I think we're closing now. Kim's going to close, I think. I'm just listening to my earpiece, you know, like the FBI and the Secret Service agents. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the podcast, they are all uploaded um, up until this one. So the first okay. part of Remedies up right now, you guys can find it. Apple, Spotify is probably the best one. Turn on your notifications and we get those up pretty fast. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And again, we're just going to keep cranking this stuff out. And again, what happens when Tuesday comes, Darren? Are we going to stop? Is all this going to... No. We'll keep going. We got a lot to do. <laughs> and I have nothing better else to do, really. This is it. Okay, loved ones. Peace. Till tomorrow. Love y'all. And I hope you, uh, some of this resonated. Again, fall back. Listen to it as you're going to sleep. You know, pretend I'm giving you a little hug. Whispering. Everything's going to be all right. Don't give up. Okay, okay everybody. Peace. We'll talk to you tomorrow.